Can the Auburn Tigers pull off the unthinkable against Georgia? Well, Zach, I, I actually just finished crushing some chicken farm, and I am freaking ready to rock and roll. You are Locked On Auburn, your daily podcast on the Auburn Tigers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, welcome on into Locked On Auburn, your daily Auburn Tigers podcast. Thank you so much for making Locked On Auburn your first listen every single day. I'm Zach Blackerby, joined by Locked On SEC host Chris Gordy. We're talking a little Auburn, Georgia, Deep South's oldest rivalry, and I may bug a little bit. On this one, Gordy. I know you kind of asked the question, what's booging? Well, the first question I have for you is what would it take for Auburn to pull off the unthinkable against the Georgia Bulldogs in Athens? First win there since 05. What do they need to do? You know, you you might be surprised with my answer, but like, okay, okay, has stick with me here. The last two weeks, has Auburn not played very winnable games against Missouri and against LSU. They beat Missouri. Yeah. I mean, doesn't and, feel like it, but they did. And then, and, yeah, they, they beat LSU and, and, or didn't beat LSU, but really could have, and could probably have. should have. Mm-hmm. Um, you know what George has done the past two weeks? Look like crap against Kent state and, you know, probably should have lost at Missouri. If Missouri can put them on, I mean, basically for three and a half quarters mm-hmm. was beat by Missouri. Right. I say all that to say, you know, look, when this spread came out, and Bet Online, I think, has it around 27 and a half, but I think, think it's, I've seen it as high as 29. I think it's 29. Yeah. I've seen it as high as 30 some places. Like, mm-hmm. this is a rivalry game, Zach. Like, rivalry games shouldn't be 30 point spreads, um, no matter how bad or how good either side is. And so I say all that to say, yeah, they have a chance. They're going to have to play their best game of the season. Yeah. Uh, George is going to have to have a lot of mistakes like they've had in recent weeks, but it's not like if you fortune teller looked into the future, you told me Auburn pulls out this game on Saturday, uh, 30 to 27. I wouldn't be shocked. I would, you know, I would say, man, some things really went their way. A blocked field goal returned for a touchdown or sure, you know, something big, but I'm encouraged. I was encouraged what I saw from Robbie Ashford. I think a lot of that came from, um, busted, coverages in the LSU secondary, but it was because of Ashford's running ability. I listened to the Brian Kelly coaches show a week ago. Yeah. And what stood out to me, uh, Zach was him saying, Oh, this kid, we, this kid, we got to stop the run. We got to stop the run. And we saw it on the field as Ashford kind of rolled out of the pocket. Those safety's eyes were locked in on, on Ashford. And then suddenly, Oh wait, that receiver got by me. Um, those are situations that Auburn can continue to take advantage of. Now, Georgia's secondary Spoiler alert, they're better than LSU. So there's going to be things like, you know. It won't they didn't look better against people. Missouri, though, Gordy. They looked it's rough true. last week. It's true. And Brady Cook is, you know, very uh, green in terms of yeah. uh, starting caliber quarterbacks. So, yeah, I mean, again, just kind of surface level. D- does Auburn have a chance? Like, is there no shot in hell? No, they, they have a chance. Yeah, when I saw that four touchdown spread and in some places, like you said, it's a little bit over four touchdowns. That seemed way too high to me. And I get it. You know, Georgia should be favored in this game and they should be favored in this game by multiple scores. And if I had to guess, Georgia wins by 17, 21, something like that. But you can say what you want about Brian Harson and their inability to score in the second half has been extremely well documented. 
But he puts his guys into a situation where it is close in the fourth quarter, with the exception of Penn State, right? I mean, that's, that's the exception in all of this. But this is a team that's fighting. You know, Brandon Council talked about, uh, you know, they could demolish the Georgia defensive line. I mean, this is a team that still believes in itself. And I think that means something. Now, Gordy, it's, it's the first road start for Robbie Ashford in his career. And, man, it's a tough one. It's a tough one. For the first time when your career is starting on the road and it's in Athens, that's, that's tricky and that matters, right? Yeah, and it, it, it's not ideal. But, again, I think um, he's, a, he's a dual threat quarterback. Yep. And I think that matters because quarterbacks that are one-dimensional can get exposed in environments like this. Like, for instance, if he was just a runner and didn't show any passing ability – George is going to load the box and, and take that away. Uh, if he was just a pocket passer and, you know, George is going to load up in the secondary and say, all right, we're taking this away, run the ball on us. Um, I think the big thing is, man, they got to get Tank Bigsby going. Right? Tank, uh, last year in that Georgia game, man, I just remember him running so hard mm-hmm. in that game and I think scored the touch, the first touchdown, right, on Georgia's defense last year. I don't remember. It was, it was one of the few touchdowns I remember, and I was like, oh, all right, good for Tank. Yeah. Tank, they got to get Tank 20, 20 touches a game, man. I don't care how you do it. I don't care if it's 20 carries. I don't care if it's 15 carries and five passes. That kid is too damn talented to be touching the ball 12, 12 carries in a game. I'm sorry. I know Jarquez Hunter is going to get his touches as well, but Tank has to get the bulk of the carries, man. Maximize this kid's talent while he's in an Auburn uniform. And I, I hate coming on my podcast every week and saying I feel like Tank Bigsby was underused. I feel like we didn't see enough of him. So, yeah. Um, look, it's it's going to be tough sledding. George is very tough against the run now. Jalen Carter is going to be out. Um, it sounds like a couple of their linebackers are banged up. I think Small Munden is is banged up. We'll see if he plays. But um, there, there's some there's some issues there. But I think Auburn has got like if they're going to win a game, they can't do it with barely rushing for 100 yards. Like it's got to be 150. Do you think they can rush the ball against Georgia though? I, I, I'm not sold. They can run on anybody. I mean, going into the Missouri game to start off conference play, it's like, all right, finally, Auburn should be able to run the football. And they weren't. They weren't able to do it. They did it exclusively for the first two plays, and then they tried to go back to it later in the game, and they just were not able to. And it's like, if you can't run against Missouri in Jordan-Hare Stadium, can you run against Georgia and Athens? I'm just, I'm concerned. I mean, it's super easy to say that, right? Like, we're all saying, yes, Tank Bigsby needs to get more touches, but if he's getting a yard a carry, a yard and a half a carry, I, I don't know what you're supposed to do, Gordy. Yeah, and look, they're, they're giving up 89 rushing yards a game. It's it's probably around top 10, I think, in, in the country. But yeah, pretty good. a big part of that is they played Samford. They played Kent State. Um, you know, South Carolina, they pretty much shut down their run. They shut down everything they did. In Oregon, they, Oregon couldn't do jack against them, period, in that opener. Missouri did run the ball on them. Um, you know, not, not, you know, 160 yards or whatever it was, but uh, Cody Schrader was able to move the, move the ball effectively, 89 rushing yards. And so I, I'm just saying, Zach, like maybe it's not this week, but eventually like it feels like Tank's got to get going, man. I'm just, I'm sick of week in and week out, not seeing him, um, you know, get the touches that I think he needs to. And, and so again, be creative, you know, find different ways. If you think you're just going to line up, uh, 
single back or I formation and hand the ball off the tank. Yeah, he's not going to go very far. You're going to have to get creative with it, some outside zone plays or whatever. But, um, yeah, again, I, I just think he's he's your coming into the into the season. You would have said he was your best weapon, right? Yeah. Find a way to get him the ball. I'm there with you. I'm there with you. Who are some other guys that could attack Georgia's defense outside of tank? We'll tell you in just a moment right here on Locked on Auburn. From cringing at the pump to getting an eye-popping check of your favorite restaurant, inflation is hitting us all where it hurts, and it really hurts. That's why I started using Upside. Upside is an incredible app for anyone who buys gas, groceries, or dines out. Gordy, you and I both do all of those things, and if you're listening or watching, you probably do all those things as well. So with every purchase, uh, you can earn cash back thanks to Upside. To get started, download the free Upside app. Use the promo code LOCKED, L-O-C-K-E-D, and get $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more. I promise you, you're doing that when you fill up at the tank. It's easy. The app, you just get the receipt. You take a picture of it. You redeem the, the offer in the app. And like a day later, that cash back pops up into your account. So download the free Upside app. Use promo code LOCKED to get $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more. Once again, that is promo code Locked. Gordy, just kind of watching from afar as you cover the co- the entire conference as you do so well, are there other guys on this offense where you're like, why aren't they getting involved? I mean, Javarius Johnson had has his, I mean, he's had his moments. Coy Moore had his moments against Missouri. And then going to LSU, my biggest thing is like, you got to get both of those guys going at the same time. You saw it a little bit early against LSU and then Auburn stopped scoring do you think that's something they kind of force feed those guys or, you know, do, do they try to use Robbie Ashford's passing attack in a different way? Yeah, I'll tell you this. I would have predicted, like if you were doing uh, preseason predictions, I would have predicted at this point in the season that, that Chedrick Jackson would have been at like 250, 300 yards receiving. I just thought he was going to be a bigger, a bigger piece of this offense. And it looked like it early on, right? Like first couple games and then like, Last couple of games, it's been a little bit more coy, coy more now, too much coy more to the point that we're involving him in trick plays that are turning into disasters. <laughs> the passing attack, uh, yeah, right. Yeah, uh, but you know, Shank's been good. Um, like what we've seen out of him, but yeah, I'm a little, I'm a little just put it this way: like the fact that Javarius Johnson has 300 yards and nobody else is even close to 200 yards receiving. That's that to me tells you you got some problems in spreading this ball around. That was one of the big concerns for me coming into the season was, you know, what is this wide receiver core? I mm-hmm. thought Coy Moore was going to have a, a point where he broke out. And man, two weeks ago, it looked like, okay, he's on his, he's on his way, but we can see he's still a little, um, you know, tr- tr- still trying to get on the same page. And look, it's going to happen when you change quarterbacks mid season, uh, sure. you know, and everybody's kind of tr- trying to develop that chemistry on the fly. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, Coy was around two very unfortunate turnovers at the end of the LSU game. I mean, it's not his fault that he was asked to throw the football. Like, that that seems ridiculous in hindsight. Maybe he's been very good at it in practice. I don't know. I think they tried to do it against Missouri as well, and he bailed out of it. But the, uh, the other thing, like, with Shedrick Jackson, I think... I, he may have led Auburn in offensive snaps last year. He, he was towards the top of it. But you're starting right. to see his usage go down. He only played 15 snaps against LSU. And you're, he, fumbled, he fumbled in the Mizzou game, right? So maybe that was yeah, part of it. Yeah, possibly. But, but you're seeing guys like Amari Kelly, 
you know, get in in that role. And I've, I've just been surprised, especially with like Malcolm Johnson Jr. going down and they technically play different positions, even though I, I think there's kind of some versatility there. But yeah, I've just been surprised with Shedrick Jackson. I thought that they were going to really kind of force it, force it to him. But that's, I mean, it is what it is. They need some guys to step up and Coy and Javaris Johnson seem to be the guys doing that the most consistently. But I kind of wonder if they're going to rotate more guys in. Um, you know, you're going to have Shedrick ja- uh, or John Samuel Shanker on the field a ton. I mean, that that's your leader. That's kind of who the offense runs through in the sense of, you know, leadership. But I still, like, Gordy, I still just have a hard time against anybody for the rest of the schedule. Like, if you had to guarantee that Auburn scores more than 20 points against anyone for the rest of the year, how many teams could you guarantee that against? Lester, Kentucky, and who else? Jeez. Um, Ole Miss? Georgia? Arkansas, definitely. Arkansas? Okay. Arkansas's defense is, is A&M? that bad. And Mississippi State and Bama? A&M, yeah, 200 yards passing, you said? 20. 200 yards of offense. 20 points. Oh, 20 points. Yeah. Um, Western Kentucky, definitely. Arkansas, definitely. Maybe A&M, maybe Mississippi State. <laughs> Mississippi State's I, got a decent defense. And you, you'd, you'd be on the road, too. It's in Starkville. So. And, and Ole Miss, I'm still kind of. Now, you, you guys have to go to Oxford, right? So I'm, Yeah, af, af, Miss, after going to Georgia. So next Ole weekend. Miss, Ole Miss, I'm a little they, – they were untested. They beat Kentucky. They did what they needed to do. Kentucky, two chances in the red zone, and, and they turned the ball over. Mm-hmm. And, but, but honestly, they should have beaten Ole Miss. I'm still a little – Wow. You know, call me skeptical on Ole Miss. Their defense is improved. Don't get me wrong. They, yeah. they do look good, but I'm still – and Chris Partridge's done a great job there. But um, I'm still a little skeptical on them. But that's a great question, Zach. And, and I would say this. I mean – Look, if that's where we are, if we're, if we're talking about Ken Auburn score 20 points in a handful of games the rest of the year, it lets you know we're, we're in a bad spot. And and is it is it is it all does it all fall at the head coach's feet or is it also some onus and some blame on these players that, hey, you guys, wait, you guys have to step up. I don't care what the coach is doing. You guys have to play with yeah. a certain level of pride and expectations in yourself. Yeah, I, I'm there with you. I'm there with you. I mean, the receivers aren't getting open, whether that's ability or route running or scheme doesn't really matter what it is. Whoever it is needs to step up. If it's the coaches, if it is the receivers, but it's just been an issue with an offensive line play. Gordy's been awful, right? I mean, you know that. I mean, it's just been terrible, and I hate it for Robbie Ashford because I really like what I'm seeing from him. You know, I think we saw a big step from him in his first start against Missouri to what we saw last week at LSU, and now I, I would... or. LSU at home, and I would love to see him take another step this week, but it's his first road start. You just got to think there's going to be some trouble that comes with that. Yeah, and being on your third starting center, I wonder how much that played into. And again, LSU's MO was to take away the run. Mm-hmm. But, you know, this was it was the first time we saw Ashford not really be effective running the football. Now, again, the, the passing was there, and he took what was there. Um, but I just wonder, you know, what happens this week if, if Georgia comes in with that same – attack and says look we're not letting this kid get get loose in space okay can he stand back in there in the pocket and deliver and you know, I look at some of those pieces that Georgia has in that secondary and again they'll be uh they'll be looking to grab some grab some interceptions and and um, you know Malachi Starks has been a name that I've, I've I've been hearing since week one and that went over Oregon and every week he's making some kind of big play in the secondary for them yeah I want to talk to you about Brian Harson in a second but give me 
Give me a score prediction. I'm going to put you on the spot here. Give me a score prediction. You don't have to book for this. I want your uh, I want your true, honest uh, opinion here. But I'm thinking Georgia, twenty eight, Auburn, thirteen. Okay, that's a real low scoring game. I think if you're in Auburn, the Auburn defense, you high five on that. You go, hey, we did our part. We kept them under thirty. Sure. Uh, and that's a that's a cover. Um, before I get to that, let me just give you a couple of quick stats real quick on Georgia, and this might be encouraging for you. Oh. Uh, when we talk about, you know, starting caliber quarterbacks in the SEC, Stetson Bennett, I thought, was on fire those first few weeks. He was – I had him as one of my – you know, I was he was on my top five Heisman list the first few weeks. I was like, I really like what Stetson Bennett's doing. I love that. Stetson Bennett has came, come crashing back down to earth yeah. in these last couple of weeks. Um, he Look, he still is throwing the ball – well, I think he's number two in the SEC in, in passing yards, but Stetson Bennett is middle of the pack. He's he's thrown five touchdown passes this year. That is behind. He's behind AJ Swan, who's only been starter for Vandy for like two weeks. Yeah. So again, he's behind Jaden Daniels, Hendon Hooker, KJ Jefferson. So he's behind a lot of quarterbacks in terms of passing touchdowns. It's not like an albeit number. He does have a couple of rushing touchdowns. Uh, Georgia's leading rusher, they're, they're running back by committee, but their leading rusher, Kendall Milton, Milton, 13th in the SEC in rushing yards. So, again, mm. not like a Nick Chubb, bell cow, man, this guy's going to run all over us. And then one other stat that stands out to me from Georgia, they only got six sacks on the season. They're 11th in the SEC in sacks. Auburn has almost double the number of sacks that Georgia does on the season. Again, sacks isn't, isn't the end-all, be-all stat. Sure. Just giving you those numbers that are maybe, if you're an Auburn fan saying we have no chance, those are just some numbers that might, you know, maybe, hey, okay, maybe maybe Georgia's not that behemoth that we thought they were. Gordy, are you booging right now? Uh, no, because I'm about to give you my score prediction. <laughs> okay. So, um, look, I, I think it gets ugly. I, I, I think Georgia does hit 40. Um, okay. I think the offense does get right this week. We'll see. Look, I'd love to eat my words and say that, that Auburn uh, – uh, you know, Auburn's defense plays lights out, but sure. I'm going to say something like 41 17. Um, you know, it's kind of where I am right now. That's still a cover. Mm-hmm. Still a cover because yeah. it's just ridiculous how big that spread it's is. A lot. That's just a huge number for a rivalry game. Yeah. I'm sorry. Four touchdowns. And Auburn's defense is good. Like, uh, that, is, that isn't the issue. And so I, I think they do enough to keep it close for a little bit. And then this is what I predicted against LSU, too, though. But I think it's close for a bit, and by close, I mean like within ten points. And then third quarter, it just it busts open, and I just don't think Auburn's offense is going to be able to keep up with Georgia's. I think that's what's going to be. So we will see. All right, I want to get your thoughts, kind of an outside perspective on what you think is happening at Auburn when it comes to Brian Harson and some realistic names to look at, and the timing and, and all this. In just a moment, right here on. Locked on Auburn. Today's show is brought to you by our friends at Alumni Hall. I can't imagine listening to this show and being an Auburn fan and buying your gear from anywhere else. Alumni Hall is the place to buy all of your officially licensed Auburn merch, whether it's jerseys for football or basketball. If you're getting ready for the basketball season, they've got a lot of baseball stuff. All sports covered at alumnihall.com. All teams covered at alumnihall.com. But of course, you want to check out that juicy, sweet Auburn gear And also, uh, they've got other stuff. Decor for your home, just general swag and memorabilia. All of it is available at Alumni Hall. 
alumnihall.com if you are listening outside of the Auburn Opelika Lee County area. And of course, they have a great location that I visit frequently in Tigertown. Chris Gordy, it certainly seems like the move is Brian Harson will be let go after Ole Miss next week. Now, I do think there's some interesting scenarios as far as if they pull off a win either, you know, this Saturday in Athens or the following Saturday in Oxford. Both of those will be opportunities to beat a top 10 team on the road. I think that'd be a fascinating conversation to see if they pull the trigger or not. But that that appears to be what the going rumor and going theory is. The bye week is after that. So then if the interim, the interim appears to be favorited to be Zach Etheridge. And then they can move forward and kind of get an extra week before you host Arkansas. What are your what are your thoughts on that? Do you think Auburn should have gone ahead and done it? Do you think they should wait till the end of the season? Do you think the bye week makes sense? I just love I'd love your opinion on on the Brian Harson scenarios here. Yeah, I thought this. I thought if they had gotten smashed by LSU, which some people were predicting, some people were like, oh, 40 to three. Had that happened a week ago, I think Sunday morning he would have been let go. I think this weekend, I know the spread is 30. If they get absolutely demolished, if it's 51 to three, I think that's enough ammunition to say, look, man, this is a rivalry game and you weren't even competitive. Mm-hmm. You got to go. I think a lot of people look, is it most convenient to say by week is the easiest week to transition? Yes, because it gives you time to put everything in place. Like you said, Zach Etheridge, the interim coach. Okay. Who's going to handle this? Who's going to handle that? It's much easier to do things like that, do a transition of power. Mm-hmm. So that does make a lot of sense. But again, I do think if they go and get absolutely demolished this week and the fan base is just up in arms, you know, vomiting at what they saw. But it reminds me a little bit of, of Coach O, and it's it's a little bit different in that Coach O opens last season at LSU with the loss to UCLA. He was already a little bit on the hot seat, a little mm-hmm. bit like, eh, we didn't like what we saw. But it was going and getting absolutely killed by Kentucky and Lexington. That was the straw that broke the camel's back. And it was after that game that the, the higher powers got together and said, look, we're going to announce you're fired. We're going to let you coach out the rest of the season, but because you're beloved and you want a championship here, but um, that's what did it. So mm-hmm. there's always that one game, you know, like I said, if it's this week and they get absolutely crushed, I think that's enough for, you know, the big money people to go, look, I don't, I don't care if we got a game next week against Ole Miss, make the transition, but it is a little tough. Like you said, like I know Zach Etheridge, you know, very well respected, but like, wouldn't this have been easier last year when you had a Derek Mason or Mike Bobo or somebody that you could easily yes. go, oh, well, that guy's been a head coach. He can just be the interim now. So I don't know if Eric saw. I don't know if those guys are the right guy to say, hey, you're getting the interim tag. Yeah, I mean, right. And, and I think the timing also is like they don't want to screw over Etheridge if it is the guy. Like, he's an Auburn dude, right? I mean, he played here. Everybody loves Zach Etheridge, and I think he's probably the most likely if I had to pick somebody to stay to the next staff at Zach. Um so I think that's an element of it too. It's like we don't want to like. You might as well let Harson wear it. You're gonna have to pay him 15 mil anyway. Like let him wear it and you know buy time for for Zach to kind of figure things out. I don't know. the 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 timing will be interesting. I I don't. Real quick on yeah. that is is it understood was because I don't remember. I'm trying to go back and it's been two years now. Was it kind of understood that Harson was Alan Green's hire? Was that where we were at the time? Yeah. Okay. So. And now Alan Green's gone, so it's... Yeah, the story is, like, there were, you know, the powers that be wanted different folks, and then Alan Green went out and, like, kind of went rogue is the story, and they went out, he went out and got Harson, which 
then everybody bought in and then it became like Harson versus, you know, the money people and the rest is history. So we'll see, uh, we'll see what happens there. As far as what you expect to happen throughout the conference from like a transfer portal point of view. So a report came out already that Landon King, one of the more talented, I think, pass catchers on this roster has asked for a red shirt and the report said that he got it. So I don't think we'll see Landon King anymore this year. There's rumors that other people are doing this, Gordy. Do you think that is because of the coaching change or do you see that at other schools at this point of the season as well where guys aren't getting as much playing time and they're like, okay, I've already played my four games, red shirt me, and either I'm out of here or let's try it again next year. You're, you're going to continue to see stuff like this. I mean, this is going nowhere until they, they step up and put some kind of parameters. I've heard there's been talk of closing the transfer portal window and, you know, at least like for the season to end. So in other words, when the season ends, allow the head coaches a week or two to sit down with their players at the end of the year, talk about what's best for them and the program. And then after those two weeks, then allow players to be able to enter, enter the transfer portal. I think that makes a little bit of sense. You know, some people still have the argument, no, if the coach can leave anytime, I should be able to leave anytime. And, Mm -hmm. you know, there's some people with that mindset, but I wouldn't freak out. Look, if you're going to make a coaching change, guess what's coming? Kids are going to leave. That's just what happens. You hope that the kids that love Auburn and and bleed Auburn blue are going to stay true and, and, and stick with the program, but you can't worry about that. The transfer portal works both ways, Zach. We saw LSU when they fired Coach O, um, they, it was a tr- it was an exodus at the transfer portal. Kids were jumping ship left and right. You know what Brian Kelly did? He went back into the transfer portal and brought in Jane Daniels from Arizona State, brought in Greg Brooks and Joe Fouché from Arkansas. Look, you'll re- the new coach will rebuild. It will take time, but look at Brian Kelly. People thought this would be a down year, transition year for LSU, and he's already hit the ground running. It could be that under the new head coach for Auburn. I understand Brian yeah. Harson's still the head coach, but if you're worried about that, Look, you just can't – it's not something you can worry about as a fan. If the best thing for this program moving forward is to make a coaching change, there's going to be kids that you're going to lose, recruits and kids on the current roster. And then last thing, and, I, and I'll let you go, there is a national storyline right now that no one, no respectable coach would want to be at Auburn because of how some things were handled. Do you buy that? Or do you think Auburn's a top job? It's an SEC school. It's a school with a ton of passion, a ton of support, a ton of facilities. Um, your thoughts on how attractive the head coaching job for the Auburn Tigers would be? It's one of the most attractive jobs in the SEC. I think that's stupid. Um, I agree. Every, everywhere you go, there's going to be pressure. Um, you know, God bless whoever replaces old Nick in Tuscaloosa when that happens because the minute that guy loses a game, they're going to literally tie him to a stake right. and burn him. Um, but no, the the money always talks, Zach. With the the amount of money that these jobs pay, somebody is always there's always going to be big names interested. Now I don't know if Urban Meyer is going to come walking into uh in, onto the planes, but yeah. you know there's been rumblings of you know would Lane jump ship from Ole Miss because Auburn's a better opportunity. I've I've heard that argument. The Hugh Freeze thing, you know, continues to be out there and. Yeah, I, I say to Greg Sankey, get over it, dude. Whatever happened in the past, get over it. The dude is is he's redeemed himself. He's he's 
coaching a clean program at Liberty. Mm-hmm. If that if you got problems with Hugh Freeze, take it up with somebody else. But um, no, it, it will be one of the most attractive jobs to me. It's more attractive than Nebraska, yep. because of where where you are, the footprint, the success. Auburn's actually played for championships in recent years. Sure. Nebraska, I mean, I, I barely remember it. Um, so yeah, no, it'll be one of the most attractive jobs out there. And Wisconsin, now that, that's that's an option now too. Yeah, but Wisconsin, it sounds like they really like Jim Leonard so much that they're telling him, dude, win a couple games and this is your job, that they won't even have to do a national search. So, yeah, and the best thing that the best thing about the timing of this, Zach, is unless things keep going south for Drinkwitz at Mizzou, this might be the only SEC job open after this year. Mm -hmm. Everybody else seems pretty committed to their coaches. They're either brand new or they're doing really well. And the the schools like them. You know, Sam Pittman could lose a couple more games. They're not getting rid of him. No way. Yeah, entrenched at, at Kentucky, Hypel at Tennessee. So, yeah, I think uh, Auburn very well. If it opens, it'll be the only SEC job open at the end of this year, I believe. Yeah, I think it's valuable. Gordy, how can people find you and hear you and all that good stuff, brother? Yeah, just search Locked on SEC wherever you get your podcasts. And, uh, of course, video version on YouTube. And we're talking all things SEC if you like that kind of stuff. But if you like just Auburn, stick with Zach. <laughs> yep, absolutely. Make Locked on SEC your second listen every single day. We'll be back tomorrow to wrap up this week for a little Ferg Friday. Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer will join us. We'll see you then. This has been Locked on Auburn.